podcast. I'm Jacob Siciliano, joined here with Nolan Hamilton. And today we are breaking down the Bears-Saints wildcard matchup and the end of the Bears season overall. So, obviously, <laughs> sad news. <laughs> Bears lose to the Saints 9-21. Bit closer of a game than the box score says, but I don't know. It you was- say that every week. It was a very frustrating game, I feel, for a lot of Bears fans overall. There weren't a ton of takeaways out of it, except that it was kind of what you you expected. I, I feel like everyone had high hopes for the game, but when it came down to it, everyone's bare raw opinion was the Bears just weren't good enough. They just weren't good enough. They, they barely were able to move the ball on offense. When they got into the red zone, they weren't able to convert. There were multiple times where they had game-changing plays, like Darnell's Mooney's trick play. I love that call. That was fun. That was a cool yeah. play, right? If it doesn't work out and they get sacked, Nagy's going to be, like, roasted and destroyed, mm-hmm. right? Or Laser or whoever came up with it. But it technically worked. 90% of it worked. And Javon Williams dropped the ball. That's the reason the Bears aren't a playoff team, Right? With those mistakes, other reason. And another thing is, that's unac- it's just the oh, more lagging. That's just that's just unacceptable, right? You cannot do that in, in a Bears playoff game, and it's very frustrating. It's it's all it's a culture thing, right? I, I don't know. What, what were your takeaways from this game? It well, it first of all, this is what I expected. I expected us to be the team that was like. You know, we probably we, we shouldn't have probably been there. And we backed our way into it, and you know, we got to watch play football, but it was pretty embarrassing. It, it, it is embarrassing to see how they to see how this went down, and it's more embarrassing as we're going to talk about later in the episode about how we responded to it. It would be one thing if we made the playoffs, we backed in, and we, you know, we're like, you know, this is not good. You know, we're a name. We got crushed by a team that's a lot better than us. The Bears should feel not good about that, but. My my biggest issue is that even though we lost this game, and we should have lost this game, my issue is that the front office is celebrating it. They're celebrating that we made the playoffs like this, and we're celebrating that we backed in and made it like this. And it, it I think it's inexcusable, absolutely inexcusable to be celebrating. Yeah, we're going to get to that in a little bit. I know. I can jump gonna, on here. We're going to touch more on the game recap, but yeah, right? I mean, you look at organizations like – the Patriots for a long time, a long time, right? Or the Chiefs now, or any of these. I'm sure even the Ravens, they make the playoffs. Yeah, there's a little bit of celebration, but they all know what their goal is. If the Patriots were to lose in the AFC championship game, there would be no celebrating in that front office. It would be grind work, people getting fired, people getting hired, shifts in the offense, shifts in the defense, everything – being taken to get to that next step next year. That's what made the Patriots so good. I mean, obviously, they had the greatest quarterback of all time, right? That helps a little bit, too. But you look at some of these programs, they do what it takes to win. And when you're content with an 8-8 eight and eight finish, you're content with that? You're content with making the playoffs because the Cardinals lost to some backup quarterback on the Rams? That's what you're celebrating. Come on, seriously? Today is going to be a lot of preachy rant stuff because 
the, yeah. the past events of the couple days have really ticked me off. I'm sure they've not personally insulted you, Nolan, but they haven't made you happy either. But no. let's dig into this game a little bit, right? So Trubisky was pedestrian. I mean, 19, 29, 199 yards, touchdown. Trubisky wasn't the reason the Bears lost this football game. No, he wasn't. I mean, he, he's not the reason they, they would have won it either. He needed to play better to win, but it wasn't the – if he lost the game, he wouldn't have – you know, it wouldn't have been the reason we lost it. We're not – he's not the reason we lost it. You're exactly right. Yeah, that, that touchdown came on the garbage. It was a sweet catch by Jimmy Graham. And Protect, yeah. Yeah, he just ran out of the stadium. I don't blame him. I don't blame him on that. It's a sweet catch. I mean, he's a talented guy. We've, we've all known that. And good luck to him, by the way in his Walter Payton Man of the Year Award finalist. He's done a lot of the good things for people of Chicago and the area around there. So good luck to him as well. But I, it's just – it was very frustrating watching the Bears try to move the ball. It was like, what is, what is going on? It's the fourth quarter, and you're running the football down by three scores. What? Yeah, you got to throw it. You're running the football? Why? It, the Bears look defeated on that final drive. The Bears look defeated. The drive. Absolutely. You're punting, you're punting in the fourth quarter when you're down by two scores. Why? It, it, it's so frustrating to me to, to see that. And I, but it makes sense, right? Oh, the, no. It, it, it is the most Bears thing ever. It, I agree with you in that, in that sense. The culture in this Bears clubhouse – is not good right now. It was great in 2018. Fantastic. Matt Nagy built a great culture. Right now, it is not a good culture. When you have players getting ejected out of the game for messing with a guy that you know is a punk. Gardner, you did it twice. Gardner Drunks Johnson, a punk. Yeah. Don Wims did it. Maybe when that happens in a game or, or in an organization, right, it happens, coaches make a point of it. You cut that guy. He's gone. He's gone. You make it a point that if you do something stupid like that to hurt your team, because that play that Javon Williams got on a fight on really hurt the Bears. The play that Anthony Miller did. hurt the Bears as well, right? So that, the Miller hurt the Bears more actually, because yeah. we needed him. We needed him, and he was, and then he wasn't there. And who was our wide receiver three at that time? Riley Ridley. Like we had nobody. It also kicked the Bears out of field goal range, which. We have probably, yeah. you know, best kicker in the league, Cairo Santos. That's my, my one big bragging point right now. But <laughs> isn't that yeah. sad we're bragging about a kicker? Hey, I'm sure in 2018 we would wish you could have done that two years ago, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it's a culture thing, right? It's a culture thing when you're not – when you're running the ball in the fourth quarter. It's a culture thing when you're getting into stupid fights and you're, you're hurting your team. There's no examples being made. And it's a thing of how do you fix a culture? You get rid, of people. You yeah. get rid of people, right? But no, 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 no. McCaskey says the culture, the, the structure is great. No way the structure isn't great. Are you kidding me? If the structure was great, you wouldn't be getting players ejected. You'd be winning football games. You wouldn't be 8-18. and 18. You look at what happened with the Cubs right? The Cubs culture wasn't the greatest for a couple years. No, it has been a while. 
Yeah, a long time. <laughs> a long time. A long time. Not a couple years. A long, long time. Yeah. But Ricketts came in. He changed the culture. He changed the structure. Things got new, moved. New faces come around. And guess what happened? A World Series. We saw the same thing happen with the Hawks, right? Whole new management. Whole new structure. Whole new organization. Hawks started winning. We've seen it with the White Sox. How many times does this need to be shown to the Bears that this is the key? This is the answer. This is the way it works. Now, for me, I was never a person saying that the McCaskies need to give up the team. But if they truly care about the Bears, they either need to, one, wake the heck up, or two, yeah. get out of the way. Because they are what's holding this team right now. Heck, yeah, pace is not the answer. No, yeah. Nagy. Nagy, I say give him a chance with another quarterback. See what he does there. Because we'll get to him. He has some issues of his own that he needs to fix. But if you can't diagnose what's going on in your own system, you, you're not fit to work in that league, right? How many no. times have teams gone out and reassess themselves, right? They bring in someone else to tell you what you think. I mean, you know it's many times, many, many when, when your general manager doesn't even sit down with Deshaun Watson. Doesn't even sit down with him. What? Like, that's yeah. unheard of. This guy is a Heisman winner, right? Or national championship winner, right? And you're not even sitting down with him at the number two pick? Like, okay, you made a mistake on Trubisky. That's I'm mistakes yeah. happen. But you didn't even I'm sick of that. Watson. I'm I, I'm gonna interrupt you here. I'm sick of the Trubisky Mahomes Watson thing. He messed up on the pick, and that's a pick you couldn't have messed up. And you trade up and you couldn't have messed up the pick. And I get everyone that's saying that. But that's not the only problem with this team. Like you said in the playoff game before, Trubisky was pedestrian. It's not it's Pace's fault about not getting these these people in the right situations in these and what Pace is doing is just – he's made some great middle-round picks. Like, you can look at Darnell Moody. You can point to them. And when we talk about the conference, the big reason his job was – Pace's job was safe was Darnell Mooney. But that's the issue. You can't have a player with that impact be there. It just my, – My question, too, that I ask is, what if we did draft Deshaun Watson? Would he be the same player he yeah. is today? Because with Matt Nagy, probably not. Probably not, right? I mean, maybe. I mean, the guy's talented. We got to give it. He, he's a talent, right? But with mm -hmm. Nagy, Nagy has his own scheme, right? He didn't conform to what Trubisky. In Trubisky in college, he was that guy that they would hand the ball off and then run these bootleg sweeps out to the right or the left and read half the field and throw. And that's what made him great. That's what he's good at. When he's been doing that, that's how the Bears have won football games. But Nagy wants to run the vertical downfield zone scheme run. You can't do that unless you have a guy that can read from the pocket. Yeah. Who can read from the pocket truly well? You have Mahomes. You have Rodgers. You have Breeze, Brady. Mahomes, Herbert. Mahomes, Herbert probably. I'm naming all future Hall of Famers. Herbert has a great career ahead of him, right? Yeah. These are good guys. Nagy, Nagy didn't take – the opportunity with Trubisky and maximize it. That's what good coaches do. He was stuck to his scheme, right? And he, mm -hmm. we all knew he didn't want Trubisky in the first place. 
because Trubisky wasn't an esteemed quarterback. No. The thing was, he didn't adjust to Trubisky's strengths, and that's the reason he, he really didn't develop. For Trubisky was a raw talent when he came in. He had talent. He had prospect. It was kind of like the same situation with Cutler way back. Cutler, if he had the right coaching staff, could have been something phenomenal. Now, he wasn't the greatest altitude. Attitude. Yeah, he didn't have a great attitude, too. There's yeah. other things about color. Yeah, there are other things. But Trubisky had the attitude. Trubisky's a guy everyone loves to be around. Trubisky's a guy with a great work ethic. He's a guy that I don't even know, but I like to be friends with Trubisky. He just seems like a nice guy to be around, right? Mm-hmm. Color, nowadays, you could just laugh at his social media posts of who's killing his chickens. But... <laughs> mm-hmm. but with Color, back in the day, yeah, he was kind of a gr- – uh, Grinch who didn't like to talk to the media or anything and he had all the talent in the world if you could get a coach to snap that out of him that would be huge coaching is huge coaches don't make everything but yeah now you look at some of the guys that now he's developed in his scheme like Montgomery Moon all these other players that he's done fantastic jobs with but and that's probably a reason why he's (laughs) as well but I don't know there has to be a, a whole shift within this Bears organization, whether personnel shift or a mind shift, because the mindset has to change. You can't keep doing the same thing over and over and over. You can't keep jamming a square peg into a circular hole and expecting it to fit. That's not how it That's works. That's a great analogy. Right? That's not That's how fantastic. it works. It's so frustrating because yeah. obviously the McCaskies have a long place in football, right? They're yeah. – they're a huge family, right? McCaskey Hallis is probably the most – is one of the most famous football families. And if they sold the team, it like, I don't think they could. I think they are too historic. They're too far gone at this point to sell this team, unfortunately. I, and I would be sad if they did as well. Yeah. But something needs to change. You can't just continue. You want Pace to draft another quarterback? With no. his habits before – if we get Watson and he pulls that off, I'll clap my hands because that's the right move. Like, I am all for Watson. Dude, I would give up a, a half a leg and a foot to get Watson. I, mm-hmm. Name the amount of draft picks I'd give him because that's what he is, right? He's one of those yeah. guys, and the Bears have a chance and opportunity to fix the mistake that they made a couple years back, right? But otherwise, mm-hmm. I don't feel comfortable with him playing the role of – of general manager. I just – I don't feel comfortable with it. Yep. Jeez. Uh, we'll, we'll, let's get back to the game for a second. Right? Uh-huh. right? One of your keys for the game was David Montgomery needed, needed to run the football, right? Because that opens yeah. up. You need to run his mind away. You need to do it. Yeah. Needed to, that opens bootleg for Trubisky and everything like that. 12 rushes, 31 yards. What the heck? <laughs> it's – the type of thing with David Montgomery, I mean, he's one – he has the potential to develop into a top five back in the league. I think a lot of people are saying that, and I think we're starting to see that. But he needs help. I mean, the O-line was okay, but it just was looked like uninspired football. You can't play one-dimensional football. The Bears didn't even play one-dimensional football. Bears played zero-dimensional football. There was – it was a lot of punting and no first downs. It was, it was brutal to watch. And it's a shame the kids on Nickelodeon have to watch that. <laughs> I know, right? I saw that, too, when they first put that out. I'm like, out of all the games, you yeah. chose Bears-Saints 
for the Nickelodeon game where you can be, if you want to bring kids to football, why not put on like Bill's Colts or something where there's actually going to be a, a yeah. legitimate offense. It was so frustrating too to watch that defense out there because you just felt so bad for them. They're having to spend the entire game on the field. They're playing their hearts out. They're getting stops. You knew they were going to give up points at some point during the game. But we're talking about going into halftime. It could have been a 10-10 game. Yeah. It could have been a tie game going into half. D- defense, defense looked great in the first half. And, like, really, I, I've not heard many people point out how good that defense looked like in that game. And – I feel like this defense is going to be better, especially when we start talking about the future with Chuck Pagano gone. I think Pagano's schemes were outdated at times, and I think that really did not help the defense. But I feel like the defense you can't blame. You can't blame Mitch. Who do you blame for this game? You blame coaching. And and the fact that that coaching is still – most of it is intact is an issue. And it's it's an issue that you can, you can point at pace and you can point at the McCaskies for it. I was in, I was it goes full circle every year. Yeah, Phillips too, right? He's, yeah, Phillips. Like he's been to how many playoff appearances in like twenty three years as the team? It, it's been it's single digits. It's like six or seven. It's it's ridiculous. It's yeah. so frustrating. But I was in an argument with one of my friends, right, over should Nagy stay, and I I argued for Nagy, right? I said give him another year because. He's one of those guys, like, I don't know how many of you are listening to this play, man. Probably quite a few, right? But when you create your coach, right, you get, like, three different archetypes of coaches, right? You get the motivator, you get the strategist, and I believe you get, like, a team builder or something like that, right? Those are your yeah, something. those are your three, like, archetypes of coaches you can choose. Nagy's the motivator. He, mm-hmm. He's a guy that's high-powered. Players love to play for him. And he's a guy that can really fire up and power a team. He's not a guy that should be calling plays. We've seen that before, but that's why you have a position that's called the offensive coordinator, right? You fill that with a guy who fits your scheme well. And Bill Lazor, I feel like, did a good job of playing. Yeah, Bill, Bill should keep his job. Bill should keep his job. Now, I'm not going to go into any Bears conspiracies or whatever because that would be stupid. It felt like Nagy was calling the plays for that playoff game, though. It really did. I don't think I, he was, but – it was so fr- – like, you're running the ball and it's just not working and then throwing it on third and seven? Like, that's not going to happen. It, yeah. I'm, I'm interrupting you here with – so, Al Robinson – I forgot where I heard this from. It may have been Twitter because Al Robinson's been on Twitter and he's been liking, liking places that he doesn't want to – you know, he doesn't want to be here. It's not looking like – but the, his – what he said the last three weeks of the year, he didn't know who was calling the place. He had no idea who was calling the plays, which means the offense doesn't know who's calling the plays. Maybe Mitch does, but they don't know who's calling the plays. And that is an issue that that's the ego of Maggie and Laser as well. It, that's awful. You need to know what coach is calling the plays. You need to trust that coach calling the plays. There's, there's just the way that on the surface, if you look at Bears football, Bears football, defense first, run the ball, simple, simple, simple game plan, right? Mm-hmm. It seems very, very, very simple. And the organization seems like it's fine, right? Um, it's, it's kind of like a, a gilded organization, right? It looks like one of these greatest, like, long-lasting organizations in football, right? But you just yeah. get like to, like, the management. You get to the management, it's not good. 
the system is a mess. It's a corrupt yeah. mess. There's nobody coming in from the outside of the organization, ex-players, ex-scouts, ex-coaches, saying, we don't like this. This is what needs to change. Because the, the Bears don't want to hear that. That mm-hmm. They want to hear what they want to hear. And when you tell them something they don't like, they get rid of you or they don't listen to you. Or when, when you say Trubisky's only played 13 games in college, how about you sit down with, with the national championship winner, Sean Watson, right? Hey, he's pretty good. How about you sit down mm-hmm. with him? No, we don't like that. No, no. Yeah. It, it's, I don't know, it's frustrating. The way that this is built too is it's built for a Super Bowl. Yeah. So what happens after, right? Um. It's, I think you mentioned Ted Bilt's name. You named dropped him earlier, like five minutes ago. And he is the perfect example of what's wrong with the Bears. Ted Phillips, he's been there for 23 years, and you said he's been to seven, uh, I said seven postseason games in his 23 years. But with Phillips, I know this for a fact now. I originally thought that when he got in that Bears position, he never had any football experience prior to being the head VP of football operations. He has no, he had no football experience and he still doesn't have football experience. He doesn't know how to run a team. He just knows how to punch tickets with the season ticket holders in the season in the ticket holders. That is why he's there. He's there strictly for business. And that is not the way to do it. And that's the losing mentality. That's my issue. That's my main issues. The bears. I feel like they, the front office deep down knows they want, they want to put a winning team out on the field. Of course they do, but they know, we, we don't need to try because people are going to go anyway. People are going to go to Soldier Field. People are going to pay $200 for tickets, and they're going to sit, and they're going to watch a miserable Bears team, no matter how good or bad they are. And that's the issue. The issue is that the front office knows the money is there because we're, cause we're such a historic franchise. But with that money comes the responsibility to put a winning team on the field, and the Bears don't take that responsibility anymore. That's out the window. The thing that I've seen, too, is you just can't – I don't know. It's so – it's so frustrating, right? I've said that, like, yeah. four times. You've, said, you've said it, like, 50 times, but it, it couldn't be more – that you couldn't echo it. You can say it 10 more times, and we know – and we all, we all know how you feel. I'm a talkative guy. I, I like yeah. to talk. You know that, right? I absolutely love to talk. I'm at a loss of work. That's how frustrated I am sometimes because – you expect to win games, right? And I, I would love for the McCaskies to, to stay on this franchise. But like you said, they're just they're focused on money. They're not mm-hmm. Obviously, they're not focused on putting a winning team out on the field because they haven't changed yeah. anything up. When you want to win, you have to – and you're in a losing streak. Something has to change, right? That happens mm-hmm. in every single sport ever. Right? If you're a baseball player and you're in a slump, what do you do? You fix your swing. Right? If, or that's probably be a pretty, that was a pretty bad example, but when push comes to shove, you change something up. Right? The McCaskies, they're not doing that. They're not putting the best field that you can put on the team because Pace is going to manage no matter. He wants to be the general man. Who wouldn't want to be the general manager of the Bears? So he's going to continue to do his job until he's fired, right? And the McCaskies, they're not going to provide that change. They're just not going to do it, which is why I'm saying is if they truly care about the Chicago Bears, they rather 
shake up the organization, shake up the culture, or get out of the way, right? They're not – the city of Chicago deserves better, right? If you're going to oh, look at George – You deserve Hall, better for so much longer. You deserve better forever. I take it as the eyes of – if George House were to look at this, when George and House founded the Bears, right, founded, founded the freaking National Football League, right, when yeah. he did that, he didn't do it in the eyes of making all this money. He did, he did it for the love of football. Yeah. He did it for the love of the game. He did it for the love of football to provide the, the city of Chicago with something that every fan dreams of a Super Bowl, right? Didn't exist. Or a competing team. Yeah, right? That's what they dreamed of. And I'm sure if he were to have a discussion right now with McCaskey and say, what are you doing? What, what what's going on here? You're you're eight and eight for the last two seasons. You back into the playoffs and you're celebrating with pace. You're celebrating yeah. that you just let, wasted the last three years developing a quarterback that you drafted that mm-hmm. didn't work out. That's what you're celebrating. Why aren't you you studying film right now, getting ready for next season? Why aren't you getting your guys hyped up, doing whatever it takes? You hear in the offseason camps, oh, so and so is in the best shape of his life. He's coming in the best shape of his life. Yeah, That's great. He can be in the best shape of his life. But if his mind isn't right, if you come into a season and there's no change whatsoever, how do you think the players respond to this? That they go eight and eight. They don't know who the heck is calling the plays. They don't have a, a true, like, leader in the front office. And they come back and nothing's changed. Why in the world would the players want to play for an organization like that? You can, like, I love Allen Robinson. He deserves better. He honestly he does. does. He's yeah, a fantastic does. player. And if the, Bears were, if the Bears were smart, they would pay the money, give the man whatever he wants, because he has literally been done so much for the city of Chicago. He's done more than the front office. <laughs> brought him here. He's – Allen Robinson, he's been – he's criminally underrated in the way – if you think about who his quarterbacks have been, his quarterbacks have been main two have been Blake Bortles and Mitchell Trubisky, and most of it was bad Mitch and most of it was bad Blake, and he still put up great numbers. And with Allen Robinson, you know he gives us all. There's guys on this team that do give their all, and and it's just the front office they don't expect as much as other teams do, and that's the issue. They go there, they play, they make their money, they go home, they get their little participation trophies, congrats on getting the third seed in the wild card, and they hoist it above Chicago, and there you go. So many people in Chicago have been Bears fans for so long, and I feel like everyone, maybe the front office, is still stuck in 1985. Like, wake up. Wake up. Something needs to change. Right now, they have a golden ticket opportunity to get the quarterback that they missed out on. Pre-developed, already developed. You can't screw him up anymore, right? If you make him worse, that tells you a lot about who needs to be fired, right? But Deshaun Watson needs to come to the Bears, in my opinion at least, no matter the cost right now. Because what I'm hearing is around three first-round picks. I would give four. I would give four first-rounders to have Deshaun Watson. Right. And if I was the Houston Texans and I'm looking at the bears being like, 
yeah, they kind of suck. Maybe I'll make that deal. Because the, the way that the Bears are built right now is you have guys like Robinson. You have a defense that's championship winning. You bring Watson in, and you, you automatically, automatically elevate yourself. You totally do. To a playoff contending team. And beyond that, possibly Super Bowl contending based on where your defense goes. Bears, trust me, if Deshaun Watson came to Chicago, I'm thinking Allen Robinson would probably want to stay. You're obviously spending yeah. more money, right? But how much more money would bring Deshaun Watson in just in jersey sales? Just in jersey sales in Chicago. Deshaun Watson getting the Bears, I'm getting a number four jersey. You're getting yeah. a number four jersey for like $30 somehow. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> you're wearing your like, what, 20 buck Baker Mayfield jersey right now? I don't yeah. Know. But, but, like, seriously, do what needs to be done. You have an opportunity. In the NFL, you don't get many chances to fix your mistake. You have a chance right now. I tell you, I would give anything to have Deshaun Watson come to this team. It's – Deshaun Watson is he's – a, he's a generational talent. He's with Mahomes. He's with those guys. And he's a good player. And there's not very much opportunities where players like this are available. There's, I can think of only a few times where a quarterback of Deshaun Watson's capability was available in the trade market and teams would take advantage of it. And me, I, I've been, I'm comparing something, and I know Owen Peters, who's a listener, is going to get mad at me for this. I'm going to compare them to Denver. Denver in 2013 or 2012 when they signed Peyton Manning. I'm comparing Peyton Manning to Deshaun Watson here because – they are both high-profile people that had to get traded. Manning had a neck injury, and Indy wasn't sure, so they rebuilt for the future. Houston, he doesn't want to be there, so he's going to get traded. I feel like that those two together, they're very similar impact. And when Watson came in, and Denver flipped the, the system after Man, or when Manning came in, sorry, when Manning came in and they flipped the system around him, Denver had one of the best offenses ever. I feel and I don't think the Bears are gonna do that. But if the Bears do somehow find a way to get to Sean Watson and bring in the right personnel, and even if Nagy stays, maybe maybe there's a turnaround. And they're able to do that. A free a great quarterback from a trade could turn a franchise around in a in a second. It happened in Denver. It ha- it happened anywhere where you trade for a quarterback. If you trade for a good quarterback and you give it the right price and he's what is advertised then good things happen. Well, that Denver team is very similar to, to what Chicago was now before they yeah. had Manning as well. Great defense, championship-winning defense, didn't have that leader at the quarterback position on offense. And it's like, okay, we've talked about this already, but if you spend four first-rounders, right, that sounds like a ton. Four first-rounders is like past that bar of like way too much, right? But think about it. When we drafted Mitch Trubisky 2017, right, we drafted the wrong guy. That's a fact. There's no stating that. He's probably not coming back from what I've heard. Look where we are now, three years later, right? Yeah, we've made the playoffs twice, but really out of those, we've only had one winning season, right? Three years later, three years, and that's three years of contracts of star players dwindling, right? So you, you draft a guy – the wrong guy at the quarterback position with a first rounder, your franchise is set back three years anyway, three, four years anyway, right? So giving up four first rounders 
I'm okay with it. You think of our last four rounders, right? We drafted like what? Kevin White, Mitchell Trubisky. Obviously, Roquan Smith worked out. And then we traded a couple for Khalil Mack, which look at that. Who did they take? Josh Jacobs, who's not much better than David Montgomery in my opinion. Lineman. And some linemen, right? So, to me, personally, draft picks, yeah, they're very valuable, right? They're very valuable. But when you have an opportunity to get a franchise-altering player, I would be offering anything they want. And then Deshaun Watson has a no-trade clause brought in, too. If I was Pace, I'd say, Nagy, I love you, but I got to do what's best for the franchise. Deshaun Watson, who do you want as your head coach? Who do you want? I'll hire him if you come to Chicago. I'll hire him. Nagy, you're gone. <laughs> like, do what yeah. you can. Nagy, Nagy may be a great coach, motivationally, whatnot, whatever. But if you have the chance to bring Deshaun Watson to Chicago, do whatever he asks. Bring him here. Please. Pace. <laughs> Literally. Trust me. If you want to go from a hated GM to a loved GM, that is the move you need to make. Right. But he's got to ask for Ted Phillips if he can have some money. Right. And is that going to yeah. happen? I don't know. With, uh, I'm compare. I'm. I feel a lot of this is an episode where you do a lot of comparisons, and I'm compare. I'm going to compare this the Ravens right now. What they've did, they basically with Lamar Jackson. If we got Watson, this is if we get Watson. What we would want to do with Lamar Jackson, or what they did with Lamar Jackson was they said they catered the offense to Lamar. They catered it to him. That's what the Bears needed to do with Mitch. They didn't do it. But you can't make that mistake twice. If you give Watson everything he wants with an offense, he could do wonders. He could take you to a Super Bowl. Generally, yes, he could. But you can't, you know. I don't know if the Bears have the ego to do it. That's the difference, though, between Harborough and Nagy, right? You look at a coach who's been running a scheme. I don't know what his exact scheme is. But who's been running a scheme his way for probably like 12 years. He's won a Super Bowl with that scheme, right? He loves the scheme that he runs. But he gets a guy like Lamar Jackson and says, that's not going to work for this type of player. We're changing everything. We're changing the entire organization. We're going to bring in a guy like German Affetti, right? We're going to bring in – not German Affetti, oh, my gosh. We're going to bring in all these new pieces to suit the way that we want to play with our brand-new toy, right? Lamar Jackson – yeah. If Lamar Jackson was with Matt Nagy, he would never have won an MVP. I'm saying that right now, 100%. He would not have oh, yeah. won an MVP. He probably wouldn't be a He's starter. He's not a pocket passer. We've seen that. But when he gets out, when he can move, when he can cut, you scheme to his strengths. You scheme to his strengths, you can build something. And the Ravens are poised to possibly beat the Chiefs. I mean, it's a possibility. Chiefs are really good, all right? But there is a chance. They have an opportunity to. The Bears can't even dream of beating the Chiefs. They don't even deserve to be on the field with them right now. Um, so, I want to look at I want to do this before we go. Who are you thinking wins this week? Just admit, make a, make a, speak your, ta- speak your take into existence right now. Of Ravens, Chiefs? And they're not playing. It's Browns, Chiefs. But Browns, any, Chiefs. any game. Speak your take into existence. You're going to say the Browns for Browns Chiefs, but I, I can't. I, I'm, go- I'm going to. I, I, I generally think Cleveland has a very good shot. This team, this Cleveland team, they're, 
you know, they're the type of team that's the team of destiny that they that everyone calls. There's always that team once a year called the team of destiny, and that's what Cleveland's looking like. I mean, they have they have such a strong run game. They have a good passer, and if Baker can get hot, they're good. I think Cleveland will will make it a very close game with Kansas City. I think it's gonna be one of the best shootouts. I'm predicting Rams Chiefs style of shootout. All right, all right, we'll see. That'll be a fun one to watch. They they got to keep the ball out of his hands. I would love to see a Rams upset of the Packers. That would make me really happy. That would make me. Yeah, that would deserve a very own podcast celebrating Green Bay's loss and Rogers crying. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, I hope that happens. Like Ben Roethlisberger. All right, that's gonna do it here for Rivals Podcast. I'm Jacob Cecilia. I'm Elmer. Thank you for listening.